Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I always pray that you're doing well. Always, always, always. And I want to welcome two new affiliates to the Station of the Cross um, from Central Massachusetts, 1230 AM WNEB in Worcester, and then 970 AM WESO in Southbridge, um, welcome both of you and all the listeners um, on um, twelve thirty and nine seventy Worcester and Southbridge, Massachusetts, and um, Station of the Cross also wants to thank the founders of Emmanuel Radio, Ray Loring and his family, as well as Cindy Dorsey for their amazing work building these great stations. Welcome again to our listeners. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the Station of the Cross, and we uh, we think you'll enjoy the programming. It's just orthodox. It's perfect, um, right-on, uh, uncompromised Catholic teaching. So we're just thrilled to welcome both of these new stations. Um, today, beloved is the vigil, at least this evening, is the vigil of Epiphany, which is tomorrow, January 6th. Um, Most Novus Ordo churches have moved Epiphany to Sunday um, in our local church here in in Beloit, Kansas. We celebrated it um, this past Sunday, January 2nd, and in the past some churches have moved it to the following Sunday, but it is tomorrow. It is January 6th, and the vigil is tonight. And First Peter uh, 5 website has a wonderful article um, by Matthew Pleese, um, P-L-E-S-E, if I'm not pronouncing it correct. Um, and uh, he has written on the forgotten customs of Christmas and the forgotten customs of Epiphany Tide. Not just Christmas, but Christmas Tide. It is still Christmas, beloved, until February 2nd. I know it's been cut short in so much of the world, uh, especially, again, in the the newer rite. Um, but it is, uh, it ends traditionally on the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, which is also known as Candle Mass, because the light of the world has come. Um, An epiphany is the revelation of uh, the gospel to the Gentiles, to the whole world, because the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, came through Israel, for Israel, and for the whole world. Many people say, well, Israel rejected him, so he went to the whole world. Absolutely not. There's no plan B. God always uh, formed a people for himself through whom he would bring the Messiah for the world. And so at Christmas, the Messiah was born and came from the Jews for the Jews, but it was always for the whole world. Um, And then on Epiphany, January 6th, is the revelation of the Gentiles, a revelation of the Son of God 
for the Gentiles, meaning nations for the entire, entire world. And that is when the wise men reached the little baby at the house, not at the manger, but already at the house. Um, final prayer from the solemn blessing of Epiphany Water on January 5th today. And I'm reading this from 1peter5.com. Um, reads, O oh God, whose mercies there is no number, of whose mercies there is no number, and of whose goodness the treasure is infinite, we render thanks to thy most gracious majesty for the gifts thou hast bestowed upon us, always beseeching thy clemency, that as thou grantest the petitions of them that ask thee, thou wilt never forsake them, but wilt prepare them for the greater rewards that still await them through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so the author writes, for those Catholics committed to the sacred traditions of the past, and we at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel, hope, Israel's Hope, are committed to those. Every time we learn more, we learn of the tremendous inheritance and treasures that are ours. None of them have passed away. They are ours today. Uh, they're being ignored. They're being covered up. They're being uh, destroyed. But they are the traditions of the church um, for hundreds and thousands of years. Well, not more than 2,000. Well, except yes, because uh, just about every tradition um, comes from the Old Testament, from God's people Israel, um, made new now um, in the New Covenant. And so um, he writes, for those Catholics committed to the sacred traditions of the past, Epiphany tied... And why do we say tide? Because it's not one just one day. Christmas is not one day. It's Christmas tide. And it begins Christmas Eve right through to February 2nd. Nativity tide. Uh, um, Epiphany tide. Um, and so he says, Epiphany tide is a special period of time in the liturgical year. Instead of having Christmas tide turned turn into some oddly named ordinary time, traditional Catholics will celebrate Christmas tide, Epiphany tide, Septuagesima, and then finally begin the penance of Lent. So there's no ordinary time uh, in traditional Catholic, uh, the traditional Catholic calendar, as there was no ordinary time in the Jewish calendar. We're always in a season, with pre the season and post the season. An Epiphany Tide commences on January 6th, which is tomorrow, with the vigil tonight, and traditionally had a vigil, one of the four principal vigils of the entire liturgical year. And the blessing of Epiphany Water takes place today. Um, I attended church on Sunday where they celebrated Epiphany, but there was no blessing of water. There was no exercised water, exorcised water for us to take home. Um, the, it's, it's as if everything that is beautiful and rich and meaningful is simply being destroyed and eliminated. He writes, the Vigil of Epiphany is the traditional day for priests to bless Epiphany water, the Vigil today. This tradition, which is older in the Eastern Rites than the, in the Roman Rite, involves a beautiful and long ceremonial. Um, 
and uh, they have a, a, a reference to the um, to the ceremonial for that. Um, the Feast of Epiphany on January 6th is a culmination for the Christmas season and one of the major Christian feast days in the entire church year. It was a holy day of obligation in the United States until 1885. Now, the writer of this article says that it's a culmination for the Christmas season, but it is not. I'm not sure. Um, uh, I guess the, the writer is, is current um, and modern and maybe um, thinks that these things have disappeared, but no. It's straight through to February 2nd. Epiphany Day, he says, is the day in many countries, primarily Hispanic ones, when Christmas gifts are exchanged in honor of the day's commemoration of the arrival of the wise men. They didn't exchange gifts on Christmas, but here, when the wise men brought the gifts to the home now, not the manger, um, they brought gifts, and that's the traditional um exchange of Christmas gifts. The Epiphany simultaneously recalls the arrival of the wise men to worship the child Christ, our Lord's baptism, at age 30, and his first public miracle at Cana. Chalk is customarily blessed on January 6th by a priest using the Rituale Romanum, uh, though nowadays typically only done by more traditional parishes. That's why I, I just urge everybody to go to a traditional Catholic parish because, not because the Novus Ordo is not valid, but because we've been robbed of the faith. There's just so much that is lost and we're robbed of our faith and holy days of obligation are no longer. They're changed to Sunday, which is a holy day of obligation. We lose all meaning. We lose tradition and we lose... um, the beauty of a people living its faith together, as Israel did as a nation. The chalk is a sacramental intended for the blessings of homes. It may be blessed by a priest, and we attended a, a traditional parish when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and um, we could take home uh, blessed, not just blessed, but exorcised epiphany water and and also a blessed chalk um, for epiphany. Along with the blessing of chalk is the blessing of one's home on the feast of epiphany or in the days immediately afterward. If a priest is unable to visit your home at this season, and normally the priest went from house to house to house to mark the doorways, the lentils on the top of the door with this season. Uh, uh, But if a priest is unable Um, A simple blessing may be given by the father of the family using the blessed chalk for the full blessing of homes to be said as part of this custom. Um, They give us a reference, but also um, I'll explain that blessing as soon as we come back um, from the break, beloved. And again, as always at the second break... um, Uh, We will take your calls, your texts, your emails with anything that's on your heart. And the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
If the cares and anxieties of life are weighing you down, come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and allow the Lord to refresh your soul. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center devoted to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. You'll find a tranquil atmosphere that's ideal for deep prayer, whether as an individual or for a group retreat. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Make your reservation today or learn more at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are um, just in the middle of an article on epiphany. Epiphany, the word means manifestation, revelation. I've had an epiphany. Um, And it is the celebration of the revelation of the coming of our Lord to the Gentiles, to the nations. And we're speaking about now the um, marking of the tops of the door frames, uh, often by a priest, but if not, uh, 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 the father of the family can do it. And um, uh, this author writes, whether said by a priest or the father of a family, he should mark the year and the initials of the three magi, Caspar, Melchor, and Balthazar, on the lintel, that's the top, Um, of the frame of the main door using the blessed chalk. The initials CM and B for Caspar Melchior uh, Melchior and Balthazar, easy for you to say, (laughs) um, also stand for Christus Mansionum and Benedicat, and that translates, may Christ bless the house. This is the example for the year 2022, you would write, in the beginning, you'd write 20, the year 20, the beginning of 2022, this plus side, C plus M 
plus B plus 22. So the 2022 is at the beginning and the end, and CMB is in the middle with a cross between each of the letters and numbers. Um, uh, then uh, 1 Peter 5 shares some of the great regional customs for this feast day. And they've gone to the Fish Eaters website, which I often go to. Fish Eaters, one word, I think it's very funny. Fisheaters.com. <clears throat> and it says, it begins by saying, something else wonderful happens in Italy. This is a Venetian custom. Something else wonderful happens in Italy on the Feast of the Ascension and the days following. In Venice, there is a clock tower in the Piazza San Marco. This marvelous clock, made in A.D. 1499 and recently restored, indicates not only the minutes and hours, but the days, months, zodiacal signs, oh my goodness, and phases of the moon as well. At the top of the tower are two large figures known as the Moors, or the Mori, M-O-R-I, who signal the hour by striking a large bell. Underneath them is a large golden lion, the symbol of St. Mark, patron of Venice. Underneath this is a niche which holds a figure of Our Lady and her son. Twice a year, on the Feast of Epiphany and during the festivities surrounding the Ascension, um, doors on either side of Our Lady open up. And out come the three magi, led by an angel. The angel and kings make their way around Our Lady and Jesus, the angel regaling them with his trumpets, and the kings with his trumpet, and the kings bowing and removing their crowns. Oh, how beautiful. And also, as with most customs of our faith, there's a tradition, one called the king cake. There's a tradition based on food for Epiphany Day that is king, K-I-N-G, cake. Um, Father Weezer in Christian Feasts and Customs in that book shares this. An old tradition in most countries of Europe was the festival of the king's cake. Um, has a long German name, which was baked on Epiphany in honor of the Magi and eaten at a special party in the home on the afternoon of the feast. Often a coin was put in the dough before baking, and the person who found it was the king. Dear ones, I know families who celebrate that today. They bake king cakes. I know a religious order that does that. And they put maybe not a penny, but some kind of little prize um, in one of the cakes. And whoever finds it, whoever picks that cake, uh, is crowned king. Or queen in these days. In Austria, because also... um, If it's a woman, she's going to be crowned king, a queen. In Austria, Germany, France, and England, and also in Canada, this cake contained a bean and a pea, making the respective finders Tang and Queen of the Merry Party. This custom has been explained as a relic of the ancient games of chance at the Roman Saturnalia. However, there is no proof of this connection. The first reports about the king's cake date from the end of the 14th century 
also the wild and excessive reveling of the Saturnalia or um, Calendae was never a feature of this festival. It was an old custom in France to put a big piece of the cake aside for our Lord and to give it to some poor person after the feast. Another tradition in France demanded that rich people help help collect a goodly sum of money by giving a substantial donation in return for their piece of the cake. This money was deposited on a tray and was called the gold of the Magi. It was afterwards used to pay the cost of a higher education for some talented poor uh, youngster. Oh, I, I tell you, I just love all this. I Maybe you don't, but I do. It gives such meaning. The Jewish people today, apart from the Orthodox and the Hasidim, uh, the Jewish people hardly even know their own traditions. And when they find out, it's so meaningful and just renews their identity and their um, their, their feeling of, of heritage and worth and the privilege of being chosen by God as his people. Well, Catholics are chosen by God. We are the people of God. We are the Jews fulfilled in their Messiah, spread to the four corners of the earth. Um, and there's an octave of epiphany. And the practice of celebrating an octave, while not only traced to the time spent by the apostles in the Blessed Virgin Mary, awaiting the paraclete, also has its origins in the Old Testament eight-day celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles and the dedication of the temple. Very truly, Christ did not come to abolish the old law, but to fulfill it. By the end, 8th century, Rome had developed liturgical octaves only, not only for Easter, rather, not only for Easter, Pentecost, and Christmas, but also for the Epiphany and the Feast of the Dedication of a Church was an octave, an eight-day celebration. <clears throat> After 1568, when Pope Pius V reduced the number of octaves, since by then they had grown considerably, the number of octaves were still plentiful. Octaves were classified into several types. Easter and Pentecost had specially privileged octaves, during which no other feast whatsoever could be celebrated. Christmas, Epiphany, and the Corpus Christi had privileged octaves during which certain highly ranked feasts might be celebrated. The octaves of other feasts allowed even more feasts to be celebrated. <clears throat> to reduce the repetition of the same liturgy for several days, Pope Leo XIII and Pope St. Pius X made further distinctions, classifying octaves into three primary types, privileged octaves, common octaves, and simple octaves. The changes under St. Pius X did not really change the practice of any of the octaves except for the simple octaves. It just changed the category labels. The octave of Epiphany remained until its suppression by Pope Pius XII in 1955. But those priests who still keep the pre-1955 Missal will celebrate it. However, even for those priests offering the 1962 Missal, the Ferrier days during the former octave, 
permit the priest to offer a votive mass of the Epiphany. This is an ideal way for us to keep this venerable tradition, even while using the 1962 liturgical books. And of course, in the Novus Ordo, none of that is kept. It's not kept. It's just a reminder at Mass, and not even on the, on the real day. None of the traditions, the blessing of homes is not even mentioned, uh, the blessed chalk and uh, water, um, not even mentioned in many Novus Ordo churches. I, I find it a, a tragedy. I find it a tremendous loss of faith, and that the people, that the faithful are simply robbed of a faith that is theirs and taken from them by those who really have no right to take it from them because it's given by the church and therefore it's given to us by God. So, beloved, we are still celebrating Christmas Tide and we begin Epiphany Tide um, this evening at the vigil um, and um, and we have a very, very beautiful Christmas season. A very, very beautiful Christmas season. Right to February 2nd, which John Paul II, now Pope St. John Paul II, uh, declared February 2nd as a day of consecration for all religious. But long before, right at our beginning, we chose February 2nd as our major feast day. We're Benedictines. But February 2nd is not particularly a Benedictine uh, holy day, but it's our number one holy day because our favorite passage in the scripture is Simeon's Canticle, where the elderly Simeon was somehow told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And there he was, standing outside the temple, watching all the young couples come with their newborns, according... According to the Mosaic Law, hold on, um, to bring an offering um, uh, on the on that day, um, to bring an offering to the Lord uh, for their newborn, um, it, the firstborn of every family had a special blessing, and they needed to bring every newborn to the temple, every newborn male to the temple. Um, and um, they would bring animals as a sacrifice because the Lord required the firstborn to be a sacrifice. And God permitted that an animal, an animal's blood would be shed instead of the firstborn as an offering to God. And the poor could bring two turtle doves, which St. Joseph did. And out of all those hundreds of families, Simeon somehow was led by the Holy Spirit to recognize the little baby Messiah in Our Lady's arms. And he took the baby in his hands, and he said, I can die now. Now, Lord, dismiss thy servant in peace. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, a light which thou hast prepared before all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. Uh, there's no more beautiful passage in Scripture to me than that one. And it's our theme and our special holy day. There's the music for our half-hour break, dear ones. And when we come back, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts, with anything at all that's on your heart. Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
We'll be right back. Please join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. It's my favorite time, and I welcome your calls. Our lines are always open, and the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at And just at the beginning of this second half hour, I want to welcome again uh, our two new affiliates from central Massachusetts. One is stationed on 1230 AM, 1230 AM, WNEB for boy in Worcester, and 970, 970 AM, um, WESO in Southbridge. Welcome both of you to the station of the cross um, Catholic Media Network, and we also want to thank the th- founders um, of Emmanuel Radio, I love that name, Ray Loring and his family, as well as Cindy Dorsey, for their amazing work building these great stations. <clears throat> and welcome again to our listeners, all of you, especially in those two areas in Massachusetts. Um, it's wonderful having you as part of the Station of the Cross family, and we hope you'll enjoy everything you hear. You can trust everything you hear, which is wonderful. Um, 
have a Facebook comment from Marie. Um, and Marie says, Mother, have you ever seen a statue of St. Joseph as a young man with his flowering staff that is small enough to go with an eight-inch statue of the expecting, expecting Blessed Mother? Wow. I do have a little statue of the expected Blessed Mother. Um, it's just so beautiful, and we had it up all of Advent. But I don't, uh, I personally haven't seen, uh, I've seen statues of St. Joseph as a young man. Um, I don't recall uh, if it, he had his flowering staff or not. He, I've seen them with the uh, carpenter's tool. Uh, I don't remember if I've seen it with a flowering staff um, but I would imagine there'd be at least one to go with an eight-inch statue. So um, just go ahead and look it up online, statue, eight-inch statue of St. Joseph. Uh, I don't imagine you would not find one, Marie. Uh, but I haven't personally looked for that, so I haven't seen it. Okay, we're going to go to an email from Veronica. <clears throat> and Veronica says... Dear Mother, I know lying is bad. God does not like it when we are untruthful. It's at, in fact, it's one of the seven things God hates. So you're right, Veronica. Veronica writes, however, what is a person to do in circumventing unjust, tyrannical laws? For instance, she says, I recently returned to Canada from visiting my son in the States. Canada demanded an expensive 225 Canadian COVID test within 72 hours of departure. I tell you what, um, I've had two COVID tests and I didn't have to pay a penny. This is insane. This is straight robbery. It's straight robbery. And she says, no problem, did that. Oh my goodness. After a wonderful 12-day visit with our son, another COVID test was required prior to boarding the plane for home. No problem, did that too. Upon arrival in Canada, another COVID test was required with the promise of an immediate drive home for a mandatory 14-day quarantine. On day eight of the quarantine, another COVID test was required while sitting in front of the computer and a live nurse or public official watched as I swabbed my nose placed the test tube into a bag, and then received instructions on how to leave it on the porch for a delivery service to pick it up and take it to lab for testing. This is Twilight Zone, and I'm telling you it's diabolical. She says, so that is four COVID tests in two weeks, all of which came back negative. I do not have COVID. Did I quarantine? No, I did not. I went to Holy Mass each morning and adoration each evening, visited and played with my kids and grandkids. Please know, though, Mother, that if I thought for one single second that I was um, a danger to anyone, that I would have not, I would have not gone out. But I'm, I'm not an idiot. I can see what's going on with this worldwide plot to subject and control and depopulate the peoples with special animosity slated for Christians. So she keeps, she continues um, to write, this is Veronica. <clears throat> so all of the above I have no problem with, and my conscience is clear. 
However, the government officials also called the home a few times, usually just a robotic command to prove I was there. One time, however, it was a live official, and she asked me point blank if I have been quarantining and staying away from everyone, and I lied. I said yes. That is a lie. But to say no would mean being dragged off to a quarantined facility, a fine of up to a million dollars, I kid you not, and or prison. Are we obligated to be truthful to everyone, everywhere, every time? I haven't finished your email. I'm going to tell you absolutely not. We do not have to be truthful to evil. This is pure evil. And just like the midwives who saved Um, who helped the Hebrew children deliver. Um, They were sent uh, by Pharaoh to kill the Hebrew children, but they didn't. They helped them deliver their babies at home, and they hid them. Um, And when the authorities came, they said, where are all the dead babies? They said, oh, the Hebrew children are strong, and they bore them before we got here. That's a lie. And God blessed them for that lie, because they protected life. So no, you are not obligated to speak the truth to people who are up to nothing but total evil and control. So she continues, what if they came looking for my grandchildren who are in the next room to take them away? When the officer at the front door asks, where are the children? Am I obligated as a Christian to lead him to the room where they are cowering in fear? No, you are not. No, you are not. Please help me to understand the parameters around being truthful and lying to unjust authorities. You don't have to tell the truth to unjust authorities. You tell the truth before God and to God, but not to unjust so-called authorities. Absolutely not. Um, okay she says please help me to understand the parameters around being truthful and lying to unjust authorities who would love it if I stayed home did not go to mass obsessively washed my hands stayed away from my family and above all took the evil jab I honestly don't know if I need to confess lying in this situation if so What about Anne Frank hiding the Jews from the Nazis and Corey Ten Boom doing the same? If the Nazis come calling, should they be obedient? No, 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 no. I know in my heart that they did the right thing. So it is some, is it sometimes okay to lie or be untruthful? Thanks, Mother Veronica. Yes, Veronica. Yes. Just like all those who saved the Jews. Um, and the midwives who saved the, the babies, the Hebrews. Yes, it, against evil, we can lie to protect life, absolutely, and you don't need to confess it. You don't need, you do not need to confess it. You're welcome to confess it. Just in a normal confession, you could say, Father, I want you to know I lied uh, about this to these uh, COVID um, uh, agents, um, I, I saw no other choice. You can do that. It's okay. In fact, I would do that. If I lied in a situation like that, I know that I would do right. And if I went to confession 
And the priest said to me, it doesn't matter the circumstance, you should never lie. I would think that priest does not know his faith. So you're welcome to confess it, but um, I, I believe in God's eyes you have not sinned. Um, we have a call from Autumn in Florida. Hi, Autumn. Hi, Mother. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm good. Good. How old are you, sweetie? I'm 10. Oh, good for you. God bless you. And what is your question, Honey Bunch? About Matthew twenty-four thirty-five. Can you read it to me? Heaven and earth will pass, but my words will never pass. Does that mean heaven will pass away? As we know it now, yes, sweetheart. The heavens and the earth, as they exist now, will pass away. But God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And our understanding is that the new earth will actually come down from heaven. We're going to have heaven on earth. Okay. So heaven will, heaven will be forever, sweetheart. But the current heavens and earth will pass away, um, will burn up, actually, uh, for all the sin that they've held for so long. Um, but God will create a new heavens and a new earth. Does okay. that make sense? Does it, sweetie? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hold on, just, I know, but I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for the verse that says, it's in Peter somewhere, that, um, that God will create a new heavens and a new earth, and I can't, think of the the reference at the moment but it's in peter where our lord says he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth all right sweetheart and if we are um our sins are confessed and we love god we will live for him uh with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth okay thank you mother for answering my question thank you for calling in dear Ordem. god bless you sweetheart we have a text from Ted um, who writes, I know someone who scoffs at the idea of God in religion. <clears throat> he says it's like believing in magic. What would be the best response to that? I would say to him, I agree. I absolutely agree. It is like believing in magic, and that's what God is magic. He can, he can do things that are supernatural, outside the natural. He can do whatever he wants. I think it is a wonderful form of magic, but it is true, and it is real. Um, and so um, um, I would say to him, if you're scoffing at it, it's proof that you have God in you. Uh, no one would scoff at what they have no reference for, what they have no thinking about uh, at all. Um, and so the scriptures say, I would tell him, that we are all, Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 19, God has created each one of us with the knowledge of God in us. He's built within us the knowledge of himself. And it is religion to acknowledge that God, to know him, to be known by him, and to have a life completely that he's designed for us on earth. And if it seems like magic, that's okay. I tell you what... Um, I first gave my heart to Christ in 1976 
as an evangelical Protestant then from my Jewish background and became Catholic 18 years later. But I was totally transformed, no less than St. Paul off the horse in 1976. I still cannot get over it. I know I'm a Christian because of how I see, how I think, how I feel. I still can't believe that I'm such a new creation. To me, it is magic. It's heaven on earth. So tell him not to worry about it, that if it's like believing in magic, some people would like magic to come true. And tell him it would for him if he places a trust in the God who loved him and gave his life for him. There's the music um, for our break, beloved. And... um, Uh, We'll continue to take your calls when we come back. Um, And the uh, toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information There's so much confusion in our world today over what love is. By displaying a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car, you'll help others understand love as designed by God. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic radio on the road. Be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. um, I'm just going to read 9 to 11 in context. The Lord is not slow about his promise. Autumn, I hope you're listening, dear one. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be destroyed with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? Um, Now, basically... um, That's basically what Matthew says, but what I was looking for in Peter um, was um, talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Um, Let me just see if I can quickly um, find the new heavens. Um, Yes, 2 Peter 3.13, but in accordance with this, maybe maybe that's what... um, our caller meant it, it said three three, but it's three thirteen. Um, but in accordance with this promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Um, Revelation twenty one verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And Revelations 21, 2, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So the current heavens and earth will burn up and pass away. But God will bring a new heaven and a new earth. And the new earth will be heaven coming down to the new earth. Okay. Um... So, Opala, thanks so much for your call, uh, or actually your note on Facebook. Thank you for it, for helping uh, Autumn and I. Um, we have an email from Michael, and Michael writes, I recently learned that the early Christians like St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Justin Martyr, St. Polycarp, St. Irenaeus, who helped develop Catholic theology, were instructed by the apostles, especially St. John. If that is the case, why would people believe Martin Luther or Calvin over them since they were instructed by the apostles? And why is this never talked about? I went to Catholic schools and never learned this, and I never learned a priest, never heard a priest mention this. Well, uh, that's a tragedy that you went to Catholic school and never knew this. That's simply a tragedy that a priest has never taught it is equally a tragedy. Um, But Protestants have no idea. That's why they pay attention to Martin Luther and Calvin. I came from, as I mentioned earlier, 18 years of evangelical Protestantism. I, I read every word Calvin ever wrote, his institutes, all of that. Martin Luther was the hero. 
and uh, they they refer to the church fathers as those who began the Reformation and say the church went underground for 1,500 years and came up with Martin Luther. That's insane, of course, but that's what Protestants believe. If they didn't, if they truly believed and studied the church fathers, they would come out differently as um, Cardinal um, Henry uh, Newman, uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman said, to dig deep into history, past the Reformation, all the way back 2,000 years, to dig deep into history is to cease to be Protestant. We have an email from Laura who says, Hi, Mother, with the Latin Mass, do you think it would be helpful if the church would make it easier to follow not so much the language because there is a translation, but in terms of the flow? I went to a Latin Mass once and was trying to follow along with the book, but it seemed to bounce around a lot, and I did not know where we were. I've heard great things about the Latin Mass but it's definitely difficult for me to participate as fully as I would like to. Thank you, uh, Laura. Um, Laura, the Mass does not bounce around. It follows the book exactly. If it's the, uh, the translation, if, it's the, if it is the book of rubrics, that red book um, with English on one side, Latin on the other, it follows exactly the Mass. My guess is that it may have been happening to fast for you to follow but no it follows and there are also wonderful books on the rubrics and that explain the latin mass and every action of the priest i would look one up i have them and i don't have them at my fingertips and don't recall the names but just the explanation of the mass the latin mass and you will have pictures photos of the priest's hands and every single move he makes every single word, every single garment he wears. Um, And so I would suggest you look one of those up and read it in your own time outside of Mass so you could begin to appreciate the Mass more. It's not a different order than the Novus Ordo, really. Um, I don't know how well you know the Novus Ordo, but the Latin Mass pretty much follows that order. Um... Um, what am I thinking here? So, um, um, when I started going to the Latin Mass myself, uh, it was too distracting to me to read a book and follow. I just sat. I just sat and took it in. And in time began to understand it. But the first time I saw it, I didn't understand a word in Latin. I didn't understand all the rubrics. But I understood that God came from heaven to earth. And the reverence blew me away, and I sobbed. I cried for a couple of hours at the richness and the reverence and the beauty that we had been robbed of. That was my first Latin Mass. And so, um, for a time, I said, I'm not going to even worry about this. I'm not a student in school. I'm just going to sit and try to absorb it. And that's what I did. And then eventually, I began to read the book and understand a little more. Um, but I would suggest that. I'll tell you that we had a, a woman who entered. Um, she's not with us now. She entered back in Oklahoma, an older woman, and she'd never been to a Latin Mass. And as a community, it's the only Mass we would go to on a Sunday. And so, um, because we had a Latin Mass 20 minutes from us. 
And so we went. And the first time she went, she came out and she said to me, I'll never go back there again because she thought it was awful. She didn't understand it. And she likes the music and shaking hands and participating. And so she said, I want to be involved in the mass. This is awful. And I said, well, um, you can do that, but not in this community, because if you're in this community, we, including you, will go on Sunday to the Latin Mass. She was very upset, but she didn't want to leave us, so she went. And within two months, she came to me, and she said, I can't believe I have fallen in love with it. It is so beautiful. And she said, it's not true that we can't, cannot participate. She said, in fact, we participate through the beautiful silence without all the distractions. We participate more in the Latin Mass than the Novus Ordo. And I said, bullseye, bingo, you got it. Blessed be God forever. It is beautiful. It is the Mass of the ages. Okay, dear ones, there is our closing music. And uh, God willing, um, we will be with you tomorrow. I pray that you will celebrate the vigil of Epiphany tonight and Epiphany tomorrow, all day. Uh, For us, it is a first-class feast in the traditional rite. It is a first-class feast, enormously significant when the Messiah was announced to the whole world. God bless you.